You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Sunday we had said we are involved in a war. Praise the Lord. And that this war is multidimensional. This war is being fought on all fronts. And um, on Wednesday we continued to look at it and we saw essentially what the trophy in this war was all about. It was for the souls of men. And we read from Revelation 18, and we saw that everything and anything is part of what will be traded, but the prize remains the souls of men. Praise the Lord. If we, okay, maybe we should look at it. So for some of us who were not there, Revelation 18, and we'll read from verse um, 11. It's talking about Babylon, which represents the world system as we know it. Okay, I'll read from verse 9. It says, The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. That's the smoke of Babylon's burning, the smoke of the end of this world system. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour, your judgment has come. Now let's read 11 to 13 together. Are we ready? It says, And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, Every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, fragrant oil, and frankincense, wine, and oil, fine flour, and wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and bodies, and souls of men. That's the price. This is what the battle is about. It's for the souls of men. This is what it's about. And it's because of this that our Lord Jesus Christ said to us, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Talking about the Russian-Ukraine war, we can see that the Ukrainians are returning from other countries, other parts of the world, to go back to Ukraine, ready to die for their land. So they are ready to give their lives that their land may be preserved. Praise the Lord. That is how precious the land is to them. Now we are seeing that even the land is not as precious as our souls. So our Lord Jesus Christ says, What shall it profit a man if he gains, if that were possible, if he gains the whole world? Imagine the whole world. It's almost difficult to imagine. If he gains the whole world and loses his soul, that is what is at stake. So this battle 
is for souls. And you and I have been equipped. And the good news is that our Lord Jesus, the captain, the champion of our faith, has what? Has won the victory. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. This is our portion in the name of Jesus. So there will be battles like the old hymn that says, From victory unto victory, his armies he shall lead. Praise the Lord. We are called overcomers because there will be things that are continually coming at us and by the grace of God, we continually overcome them. So from one victory to the other, from one victory to the other, that is what the Bible is telling us. Thanks be to God who always, he has never failed. Praise the Lord. So this is the war we are involved in. And, you know, I began to ask myself, since we're in a war, What should be the major preoccupation of the church? What should we, you know, give ourselves to? To equip you, to get you ready, to make sure you are successful, you're victorious in this war. And, you know, the first thing that came, the Bible says, we have been given, you know, uh, pastors, um, apostles, teachers, for what? The equipping of the saints. So the church should equip you for this battle praise the lord so somebody who goes to church who is a christian who attends a bible believing church should be equipped to fight victoriously in this war another thing is that the bible says that the church is the pillar and the ground of truth so i see a correlation that almost saying the same thing because as i now went you know to look at ephesians 6 from verse 10 I saw that this is what the Spirit of God was saying to us. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Let me read that part again. It says, put on the whole armor of God. Why? It says that you may be able. So if I don't put it on, I'll be unable. Praise the Lord. Now realize that this armor of God is not put on me. We have said thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. It's not automatic. Finally, my brethren, it says be strong in the Lord. The strength of the Lord is there. Avail yourself of it. And in the power of his mind, it says put on. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now see another thing that is happening here now. The spirit of God is saying to us, this our fight is not against flesh and blood. So if I learn Taekwondo, it will not help me in this fight. If I become a black belt, it will not help me in this fight. If I build up my biceps, it will not help me in this fight. Why? Because the people I'm fighting or the battle I'm involved in 
is primarily against what? Principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, and against what? Spiritual hosts of wickedness in Nigerian government. Is that what he said? I thought that's what he was saying. He says, these are the people I'm fighting against. These are the people I'm wrestling against. Okay? So, because of that, the type of armor that I should be looking at will be the kind of armor that will match these enemies. So, let's read verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Holding myself so I don't jump, you know, to where I'm going, but I could actually jump. It's all right. What I want us to achieve this morning is to have a taste for the truth and have a deliverance from ambiguity. You know, when we started, we said we celebrated, we thank God that in this battle, our champion has won the victory, isn't it? But the Bible says, if I do not take up the whole armor of God, I will not be able to stand. So, at the end, if someone fails, who has lost the battle? Is it my champion that lost the battle? No, my champion didn't lose. It is I that was disconnected from my champion. So in verse 13, we see them repeating it. It says, take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand. Now notice the next thing that is there. That you may be able to withstand in the evil world. What does that say to you, sir? It says the evil day is assured. You know, there's a song um, that, depending on people's, um, on people's uh, theology, they sing it differently. No matter what I face, when the, the person who received the song by the Holy Ghost, no matter what I face, when troubles come my way, I will praise your name. But some people don't believe that there is going to be an evil day. So when they sing that song, they're saying, no matter what I face, when success comes my way, even the criminal and robber will praise God when success comes his way. So what's the point of singing the song? When success comes my way, no matter what I face, when success comes my way, I will praise the Lord. Don't bother singing. You know why? People don't love the truth. They don't know the truth. They don't love the truth. They don't have a taste for the truth. Put on the whole armor of God that I, you may be able to what? We stand in the evil day. If there were no evil day, there will be no need for the armor. But because of the evil day, God in his love for you and I has provided the armor. So that as long as we put on this armor, the evil day cannot do us evil. Praise the Lord. So he continues. And having done all to stand. Verse 14 says, stand therefore, having gathered your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Verse 19. 
and 20. And for me, that all trance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I, in need I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Praise the Lord. Let me touch something here that I, I like when I saw. Look at the Holy Spirit was using Paul to write to the church here. Say, pray, do all that warfare. And then he concluded that part by saying, pray also for me. He said, pray for me that utterance may be given to me. Utterance for what? That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. He says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Now listen to what is happening here. We are looking for truth. We are digging for truth. Paul here is in chains. And he had a prayer request. He didn't say to the church that my chains be broken. What was his request? That utterance may be given to me. You know why? He knew that the enemy he was contending against was not a physical enemy. So whether in chains or without chains was immaterial. As long as I could bring forth the word of God, I'll be destroying the enemy's camp. So it says, pray for me that I don't see speaking. You will not see speaking in the name of Jesus. Many years ago, we learned that you and I are speaking spirits. In fact, can I say this? What you speak is more important than what you're going through. Hallelujah. Let me help you. Satan, the adversary, was giving permission against Job. And he sent hurricanes. He sent typhoons. He sent all manner of, you know, natural disasters, killed Job's children, destroyed his wealth and all of that. And he still wasn't satisfied. To us, hasn't he done damage? But to him, he had not succeeded. He went back to God and said to God, all these things we've done, we've not done anything. Let's touch his body. So God gave him permission to touch Job's body. And he went and afflicted Job's body with sores, you know, sickness that probably the, you know, combination of every sickness you can imagine in this world. Put it on Job and still Satan was not satisfied. What was his problem? His problem was that Job was still blessing God. As long as your mouth is blessing God, Satan is losing in your life. Praise the Lord. That's why Satan now removed his masquerade entered into the wife and said to Job, Job, what are you wasting time? Curse God because that's where they were going to. Now, unfortunately, some of us have not gone through one million percent of what Job is going through. And if you hear what we are saying, but our mouths are already speaking things that we shouldn't speak because we don't understand. Paul says that all trans may be given to me that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Church, please, if you, do, if you are praying for me, add this to it. If you are not praying for me, pray this for me. And then let's pray for every one of us, and especially for those who preach the gospel. You know why? When the war is lost on this front, it's lost everywhere. When the preacher, when the Christian in the office, when your business partner is no longer able to speak the truth boldly, Everything has scattered. So, what are we doing here? I want us to see something from verse 14. The first armor 
that we are told to put on. The foundational armor that we are told to put on is what? Truth. Now the women, not the girls, will understand when the Bible says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist. How many women are here? Not girls. Women understand ghetto. When I was a small boy, I used to wonder, what's this off-white old thing that my mother has that is very precious to her? I'm not talking to everybody. A few people know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Which, if she allowed me to do clean up in her room, it wouldn't be there the next day. But it's the most precious piece of clothing in her house. You see, the color changes. It's torn here, it's torn there. I'm talking about my mother. I'm not talking. Uh. <laughs> but you see that article? Sometimes it's washed and hung under the fan because it's needed for work tomorrow. <laughs> Gedu, having your waist girded with truth. If you don't wear it, your suit will not look nice. The judge will not look, nothing else will balance. And then it used to be one with love and aid. So you've come from here. Listen, they didn't say having thrown truth on your shoulder. He said get dead. The point I'm trying to say is this. The first trick and the only trick the devil knows is the trick of deception. And that's why the first and most foundational weapon that you and I are to equip ourselves with is the weapon of what? Truth. Truth is the anti-scored missile for deception. In Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1, Genesis 1 to 2 concluded everything God made was good until deception came in. In Genesis 3 verse 1. It says, now the serpent, notice, was more cunning, not more powerful. More cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, did God really say, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? How I wish this Eve, our first mother, you know, had gathered her waist with truth. Look at her answer. Two and three. He said, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you what? Touch it, lest you die. That's not what God said. God said, don't what? Eat it. The day you eat it, you die. Now verse three, continue, four, sorry. Then the serpent said to the woman, what? You will not surely die. For God knows deception has come in. You shall not surely what die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Is that what God said? And you'll be like God. Is that what God said? Knowing good and evil. Is that what God said? Deception was what brought first scarcity. Putin war. Ebola. Coronavirus. Death. All the problems in this world was because our first parents were what? Deceived. Now, what is going to preserve you and I in this battle that we are in is an embracing of the truth. Praise the Lord. A hunger, a search 
You know, someone said, I don't tell people to go to the church close to them because nobody finds treasures on the surface of the earth. He says, search, travel until you go to a church where the truth will be what? Spoken to you. Unfortunately, in the time we live in, the truth is not, don't go to a church because the AC is working. Don't go to a church because you like the pastor. Don't go to a church because it's near your house. Don't go to a church because your friends attend the church. Don't go to a church for any other reason than that the truth is spoken to you there. You know, it's amazing that nobody goes to a hospital because their friends go there. You go to a hospital because what? You're treated there. But when it comes to church, people make all kinds of decisions. You know why? Because this enemy we have, he has not ceased operation. In fact, let's read Revelation 12. Let's see the war in heaven. Verse 8, 8, 9. Let's see what this war was about, what this enemy was about. Let's read it. What does it say? They did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil. And what? What does he do? Does he sting? Does he bite? Does he swallow? Does he do any of that? So what does he do? What else does he do? What again does he do? So only deception. Satan the same yesterday, today, and forever. He started with deception. He continues with deception. When his time is over, he'll still be in deception. He has no new tricks. The only thing is that deception grows until where it goes into delusion. You know, as deception grows, delusion is when nobody is deceiving you now. You are deceiving yourself. Praise the Lord. That's what happens to people when they do them 419. The first stage is that they have deceived them. The second stage is that they say, no, no. mm -mm." And then they're entering more into the trap. At that point, they have known that this is not it, but they are convincing themselves. The enemy we have is a liar. He's a deceiver. The battle we are fighting is a battle to keep our focus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and what? The finisher of our faith. Who for what? The joy that was set before him. Now Jesus looked to the crown. He looked through the cross and to the crown. We are now to do what? To look to him. We are to look to Jesus as the pattern. We are to look to him as the first and the last. That's why he said to us in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The second part I like, it says no one comes to the Father except. This is so clear in the Bible. So you don't come to the Father by being nice. You don't come to the Father by any of those things. No. In fact, it's not even by religion. It is by Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. It says, I am. I don't know the way. I am the way. I don't just teach the truth. I am the truth. I don't just give life. I am the life. And it says no one can come to the father except through me. So Jesus is saying clearly here. I am the truth. And like we've seen, Satan is the deceiver, the liar. So we see the contrast immediately. 
Now the challenge for you and I, for the Christian in this battle, is how much we can continue to embrace the truth. How much we can continue to allow ourselves to be directed by the truth. And let me tell you, the truth is not always comfortable. Am I right? I remember many years ago, when I was, um, I think, maybe about the time I got married, before I got married, I didn't have pot belly. And I thought I was well built. Then I got married, and my wife is a terrific cook. So after some time, my wife would tell me, look at your stomach. I will go in front of the mirror. The moment I'm standing in front of the mirror, I've sucked it in. Do you understand? I know you don't do that. Nobody does it here. But let me tell you the truth. What you see in front of the mirror is not you. Because anybody standing in front of the mirror adjusts himself. If you really want to see yourself, just find one of those rare videos that they just catch you. That's when you see your stomach. See everything. You know, worrying. <laughs> you. <laughs> So I engaged in this argument, and what was happening then was that I, I didn't used to eat a lot, okay? But I used to take a lot of chivita juice then. And in my thinking, I thought juice was liquid. So if you take liquid, it passes out as liquid. I don't eat pounded yam. I don't eat, um, you know, yam. I don't eat any of those heavy food. I even rarely eat rice. So I didn't imagine. In fact, I was accusing my wife. Say, you're noticing men too much now, no? She said, look at your brother. Look at... I will argue with her until one day I saw a video, a video of a program we did at the tent. I saw somebody walking. I saw the belt under. And then there was something on top like this. It was that that I said, Chai, is this me? <laughs> Listen, truth is not palatable. Praise the Lord. But you see, nobody goes to the doctor for the doctor to make him feel good. Nobody runs a test. So that the test will make you feel good. Am I right? You do that so you can know the truth. And the good news is this. In Christ Jesus, we don't just have truth. We have grace and truth. So when you come to Christ Jesus, when you are confronted with the truth, grace is at the back of it, willing to help you. But the Christian who doesn't know who Jesus is, would deny the truth. Anybody that is going to make progress in this Christian work, you must love the truth. Not because it makes you feel good. Some of us here are stingy, but you deny it. Now, nobody is going to point a finger in your face because that won't won't even help. Until you say to yourself, this is my problem. Listen, people of God. I'm trying to make this, you know, as simple as possible. So that we, we, we can just, you know, walk out from here. Strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. Truth. We, we read the passage of scripture now. And, you know, the Bible is the word of God. But the Bible is written to sincere people. You know that. So as you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. The word of God says, the word of God is, um, is quick. is alive. That word quick means is alive. And it's sharper. is living. Okay. So, living means, okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. How many married people are here? The last time your husband asked you, do I have pot belly? Say you have pot belly. He didn't talk to you for one week. Next time, if he says, do I have pot belly? What will he answer? He say you have 18 pack. Isn't that what you say? What has happened? The last time you spoke truth, it was not received. If you're not ready to receive truth, you won't see truth in the Bible. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you know that deceivers, cultists, 
fraudulent people have found the basis of what they do from the pages of the Bible. Slavery was justified from the pages of the Bible. Whatever you look for, you can find it. But if you're looking for truth, truth will catch you. It will run to you anywhere you turn. Some of us will bear me witness that there are seasons in your life that is as though God is just saying only one thing. Forgive, forgive. They preach on uh, Christmas. What you hear is forgive. They preach on resurrection. What you hear is forgive. You're just hearing forgive. You know why? Because you have desired to do the will of God. And God has desired and purposed to make known to you his will. But there are some people that will never hear it. You know why? That one, they've said, God, don't bring up that matter again. So it has been censored in their relationship. And what continues to happen over time is that that censorship will grow. Until the time where they become hardened. And they would no longer hear the word of life. At that point, the only voice they hear is like, oh, Holy Spirit, thank you. You read your Bible. And Jesus is seated at the Last Supper with the disciples. And then he says, one of you here will betray me. Judas heard it. And people were saying, is it I, is it I, is it I? Do you think Judas said, is it I? And he went on and said, the person who is going to betray me, it will be better for him that he will. Do you understand? Yet, because over time, Judas had blinded his heart to truth. When their teaching is better to give than to receive, Judas was not just receiving, he was stealing. When they're saying there is a, a kingdom to come, Judas was not looking to that kingdom. He was buying real estate. He bought land in Jerusalem. He bought in Galilee. There was nothing Jesus was saying that was penetrating him. So at the last, that last, the final one, he had been so hardened to truth that what remained was Satan to wear him. So the Bible said, when Jesus said that, he took a piece of bread, dipped it in the wine, and gave to Judas. And what happened? Satan, he rose up and Satan entered him. Because over time, he had shot his heart to truth. Some people, I pray you're not here, but you come to church from a bed of adultery or fornication. And every day you come, you smile, you force yourself. Whenever I mention it, you force a smile so that nobody will look at your face and think I'm the one he's talking about. Over time, you will go from adultery to kidnapping, kidnapping to murder the person, not you. Whoever does that. You, you, no, listen, you cannot as a Christian continue in a non-sin and the Spirit of God is convicted every time. The Bible says the Spirit of God will not strive with man word forever. You started small lines, small petty lines. Every day, the holy, the, you come to your pastor, is, you know, he's, just, he's on my case. After some time, your muscle has become strong that when that thing comes, you're even laughing. So if there were a camera moving around, they'll say, it cannot be you that are talking about. What has happened is that you have graduated in the school of Satan. That's why you hear what some, some church folk, like Americans who say, did. And your eye will just open. You can't close. Because you can't imagine how someone who is in the same environment with you can do such a thing. What has happened is that over time, he has so rejected truth. And you know the Bible is so clear. When you go and read Romans 1 and 2, it talks about these people who suppress truth in unrighteousness. The only reason people refuse truth is the love of unrighteousness. And if you keep suppressing it, after a while, God will step back and then give you liberty. And you start functioning in an anointing in that area. How many of us saw the video of the, of the pastor that was caught, sorry, there was a pastor that was caught at, at the airport going to, traveling outside the country with cocaine, okay? 
Not that he was consuming, he was trafficked. How many of us heard the story? How many of us saw the video? His video of his ministration. Now, how can someone who is trafficking cocaine minister like that? It means that he's so deadened to the conviction of the spirit that he can take the mic and say, Holy Spirit. Without, even you, you know that there are some things you do. Even to pray, it will take you time. You'll be washing. You'll be washing so that you can even say, Our Father, which art in heaven. But some people are so dead to the life of God that they can come out, you know, from a bed of adultery and pick the mic and say, God is going to touch somebody there. And when he says that to match, the people who are also coming from that bed, the, the anointing of the devil will push them down. And then when you who don't love the truth say, say power is there. But what has happened is that these people have said, we are not interested in your government. So the Holy Spirit pulls back. He lets you on your own. The Igbos have a saying. They say that um, the grasshopper that the locomotive train killed has what? Had become deaf. What has happened is that over time, that grasshopper was not shifting. So the sound of the locomotive engine had deadened his sensory nerves. God is so dedicated to you making it that he will bring truth to you in awkward moments. The Bible says when you want to turn to the left or to the right, it says you will hear a voice saying to you, this is the way to go. He will bring a voice to you. He'll bring a word. He'll bring a call. Something will happen. Why? He's trying to wake you up. The enemy is coming. Don't allow yourself to be deceived. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't go there. He's helping you. But if you have not developed that love, what is going to happen is this. You will enter into conference with the enemy. How many of us in moments of decision have heard this statement? Life is short. Better enjoy it. Let me, hear, let me see your hand. If the devil was making an application for your soul. Life is short, better enjoy it. Eternity is long, better do what? Prepare for it. You only live once. <laughs> Isn't it? Okay. But it's appointed unto man one, once to die. So you live once, you die once. And thereafter what? Judgment. You only live once. Say, I cannot come and go and kill myself. You don't even need to kill yourself. The devil is come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So you won't kill yourself. He will do the killing. Are we getting this thing? It says, am I the one who crucified Jesus? How many have heard that one also? <laughs> Lord have mercy. We are the ones that crucified him. Every person who is born again has put the weight of his sin on Jesus. That's what you do when you confess Jesus as Savior. He said, my sins were what? When you believe in the cross, you're believing that it was your sin that nailed him to the cross. So I'm the one who crucified him. But you see, what I'm trying to say is this. All those things are subtle attempts from the enemy to weaken your defense to make you become you know insensitive to truth now take a sample amongst your christian friends maybe not the people who are here and see their perspective on life and death the truth is that for the christian who reads the bible the bible is clear what does the apostle paul say for me to live is what to die is what let me ask you do you sincerely believe that a lot of people don't believe it when you see the way they are fighting not to die, I'm not saying you should fight to die. You should fight to please God. Praise the Lord. Because the Bible says, he that tries to save his life will do what? Will lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake will do what? Most of us, you know, we don't believe these things. And this truth is for deliverance. Why? Because God has told us, and the way it is is this. 
Because God is so truthful, because he's the truth, in him is no darkness at all. If there were a bit of darkness, you might like it more. But because he has told you all truth. Okay, come with me to Romans 8. Let's look at a passage of the Bible. Because what, what we're looking at this morning, I, I want the Bible to say what it's saying so that, because I know, I, I know that people argue with me. That's not verbally, but as I'm speaking, people are arguing. So I want it to be the Bible because I'm not strong enough. Romans 8, let's read from 31 and then we'll, we'll zero in on 35 as we go down. He said, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Now 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now, when you read this, what sense does it throw to you? You can read this passage and it will mean that who can separate me from the, unquote, protection of Christ from tribulation? Ah, me, I know, go suffer. I know, go beg for when trouble, when success comes my way. Brethren, read that passage, 35, 36, and 37. God is light. In him is what? No darkness at all. What this passage is saying to us is this. Tribulation we will experience. Distress we will experience. Persecution experience. Famine, nakedness, peril or sword, all of them. We will most likely. And then verse 37 says, Yet in all these things, well, our position is not shifted. We are more than what? Conquerors. Now, but look at 36. Because 36 is what did it for me. 37 did not counter 36. 36 says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. That talked about somebody who lost his job because he refused to play, you know, ball with the people in the office. For your sake we have lost job. For your sake we are not, you know, unquote, enjoying like the others. What does the Bible say? It says we are counted as sheep for slaughter. 37 didn't say, no, if you truly had faith. Those things will not happen to you. Is that what he said? What the truth is saying is what? Even in tribulation, you are more than a conqueror. Even in famine, you're more than a conqueror. Even in distress, you're more than a conqueror. Is somebody getting me? Now, part of why we're looking at this is this. We're in perilous times, not just as a nation, globally. I'm sure you know that the issue we're having with diesel and, you know, fuel is not local. It's universal. Okay, and um, they, they project that it's going to touch food and every other area. Now, the truth of this is this. The Christian is equipped. 
in every of those situations to be what? To be more than what? A conqueror. It's not that you will escape. It's that in the midst of it. That's why when we read it says, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. What it's saying is this. The principles and the life of Christ will make you outstanding, will differentiate you, will cause you to stand out no matter where you are found. So we have examples in the scriptures and we have men like, do I have any Daniel here? Joseph, we have Joseph here. Igwejo. Joseph that you're answering was a slave. Praise the Lord. Igwejo. You have brothers, right? Imagine if your brother sold you to Fulani headsmen. No, no, no. We, we're reading scripture. I want you to open your eyes to truth so that when you read the Bible, know what the Bible is saying. Know what you want to read. Yet in all these things. So Joseph was sold to Fulani headsmen and God allowed it. But in it, he was what? More than a conqueror. He was put in Potiphar's house and was made a slave. God did not deliver him from Potiphar's house, but rather in Potiphar's house, God put an anointing on him and he, what, was set apart. When he was put in prison, God did not keep him. He went to prison by false accusation. Instead of going to prison, Joseph should have won a laurel, a prize for purity. Am I right? God was there. I want you to see truth. God did not immediately say, ah, have you ever seen a man who refused a woman like Joseph did? I crown you. God didn't do that. Joseph must have been praying. Potiphar, you should not have never lied to you. Potiphar, you really know me. Potiphar, you know I can't do this. Bye! Slap. Eh? And Potiphar was a military man. You know, military people, they don't slap only. It's slap and kick. I think that I taught that thing. Slap from this side, then kick from this side. So you can balance. Bye, bye, bye. On Joseph. Joseph will be wondering. How can a man do good and suffer? He was put in prison. God did not deliver him, but God was with him. Child of God, if you don't believe these things, the devil will catch you. That's what I'm trying to say. Because there'll be situations where you think, Abba, after I've done this thing, the next thing is that everybody will be praising me. And then the very good you did will be the reason why gossip, stories, wickedness, will be increased against you. But the Bible said, yet in all these things, not beside them. That's the problem when the Christians of today begin to use what we see around people to judge whether God has blessed them. It's not scriptural. It's a deception. I've told us here, what a kidnapper can get cannot be what God will use to confirm me. What a corrupt politician can get cannot be what God will use to confirm you as a favored child of the Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know what God uses to confirm us? Moses told us. Moses said to God, unless your presence be with us, how shall we be what? Different. Moses, if today's short, Moses would have told God, okay, you know all that gold we brought from Egypt? Refund it to us. Just give us the gold and go. Let's carry the gold. And we'll say that in this church, I'm called to pastor billionaires. So the, Jesus' blood cannot save poor people. Just you and Jesus saving only billionaires. Moses said, unless your presence goes with us, how shall we be different from all the other nations? So the differentiating factor for the believer is the presence of God. 
It's not the things around. Because you can't explain it. Some persons have been discouraged because they have worked hard. Listen, you must work hard. So we're going to work hard. Even the Ephesians we are reading chapter 6 said, finally, before then he had told us about working well, good master-servant relationship, you know, good relationship with our wife. So he had told us of the basic things. However, you cannot judge your life purely based on what has come in. Freedom Fellowship. Marriage is not by beauty. It's not by chastity. There are prostitutes that get married quicker than virgins. In fact, some men, it's as if the prostitute anointing just catches them. So don't be tempted to say, ah, I'm keeping myself and nothing is happening. You're keeping yourself and heaven is taking record. Your race is different. Your testimony is different. Marriage is not a crown of God the Father that you have arrived as a Christian lady. Some people have anointing for marriages too. The anointing I crave for is anointing to lead people to heaven. Because even marriages have made some people murderers. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? All those things are not it. Praise the Lord. But these are the burdens that we carry. These are the things that the enemy sets before us. And he tactfully removes every view of eternity in the horizon. So how can I claim rightfully to live in Abuja and I constrain myself only to what is available within Jahi? It doesn't make sense. The God you have been involved in is the God of all eternity. The plan of God for your life includes your life past present and what future a lot of things that god has prepared for us we're looking at malachi 3 the other day is there's a day when he's going to open his book when he opens that book then men shall say ah is somebody getting me but the enemy will not let you have a mind to that day that's why he says looking unto jesus why because jesus when he finished he said to the father he said restore to me the glory that what I had with you before time. Brethren, there is so much more. The secret to which this war is that you am everywhere you see a truth of God, embrace it. Some of them will be hard. Receive grace. Pray for what? Grace. Pray for understanding. Pray for insight. When you begin to trust God and desire to just obey him, he'll make things easier for you to do. Like when we looked at love, not the world, not the things of, in the world, if anyone. When you, when you say, God, okay, I don't want to love the world. He'll begin to tell you why. You'll begin to see now that you transit from a lover of the world to a user of the world. is another level. I get him. A lover of the world is subject to the world. A user of the world is above the world. That's what the Apostle Paul says, I've learned in all, things, all situations. To abound and to abase. He had come to know that the world was to be used. So you put him in pleasure, he uses it. You put him in pain, he uses it. None of them gets into who he is. He knows that he's passing through. So he brings out a message. He brings out an interpretation. He brings out a virtue that will confuse everybody. That's why when they were put in prison, Paul and Silas, they said, what do we do now? They could have gone on meditating on the goodness of the Lord. But they said meditation will not let these prisoners know. So they sang with voices loud and high. So that the prisoners will know what, which kind men be this. Our experience is that for the first few days, when men are thrown into this prison, what we hear is crying and moaning. What are we hearing from these men? They are praising the faithfulness of the Lord in prison. Didn't the Bible say that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth? As a, that's what Paul was occupied with. And when he did that, God said, ah, my son, let's come out of there. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Let's rise on earth. We can't do justice to this 
But we, we pray that a taste will begin to rise up. That you and I will become lovers of truth. Lovers of what God is really saying. You know, if you put that verse 37 that we are looking at, please. Message translation. It says, none of this what? Faces us. Why? Because Jesus does what? So, can I hear somebody say, I may not have money, but Jesus loves me. Do you know that's where the temptation goes? In your moment of difficulty, what Satan is trying to put in your head is that God doesn't love you. Your prayer unquote is not answered. I hear some people, I'm afraid for myself. Maybe I don't have enough faith. But the way they tell you that they'll answer your prayer, even your phone that is uh, uh, material, there are sometimes you dial a number, it won't go. Am I right? It says, this is the confidence that we have, that whatsoever we ask for, according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have our petitions granted. So what, is, what do we know? He hears us. Abby, doing what I want is secondary. He hears me all the time. Child of God, God heard your prayer. But to do what you want, you're not God. He is God. Hey, somebody is not hearing me. You prayed, he heard you. God must not do what you want for it to be that he heard you. He is God. He has the right to decide when to do, how to do, what to do. Is somebody hearing me? That's what the scripture says. We know that he hears. The danger is, is he hearing me? Two levels. Because we'll be made to think that once you have faith, you become God. No. Once you have faith, you have connection with God. And then God will now act on your behalf. Praise the Lord, somebody. I want you to just go to the Lord. This message is actually to just strengthen us for the time that we're in. As a nation, as a people, you know, distress is everywhere. Lord, strengthen me in your truth. I want to put on the girdle of truth so that no matter what I face, I will be able to stand in your truth. Let me not be moved. Let me not be blown by the wind. Let your truth preserve me. Let your truth hold me. You are my God. You have never failed. You cannot fail. You are dependable. You are reliable. You are God Almighty. This morning, I guard myself with truth. You love me. No controversy. You went to the cross for me. No controversy. And the Bible says, if God did not withhold his only son, Jesus, but he gave him up for you, for me. He said, how shall he not with him? freely give us so this morning i raise my eyes to the heavens i see the lamb of god seated on the throne i see the lover of my soul i see the captain of my salvation in fact the bible says he's making intercessions for me now i see that he has loved me with an everlasting love i now tell myself what can separate me from this love is it because i'm going through tribulation is it because i'm going through peril is it because there's some, you know, question mark in my life that will now make me imagine that God doesn't love me when he has demonstrated that love already at the cross and every day I can hear the spirit whispering to my spirit, I am his own. Is there somebody here that heard the voice of God saying, you are my son, you are my daughter? Then what then do I need to worry myself about? This morning I receive strength in my inner man. The scripture says, say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I receive strength in my man, in my spirit. And I say, Lord, I believe you. Your word is life. Your word is truth. 
I will not be overcome by the distress of the times. But I will renew my faith in you. I will renew my confidence in you. I will stay strong in the one whom I believe. I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that my life is committed into his hands. God is not about to disappoint me. He doesn't know how to do it. So this morning I'm receiving strength. To continue to hold on. I'm receiving grace. Where truth has challenged me. Where truth has confronted me. Where truth has met me. And I know I've been living a lie. I receive the grace of God. To love the truth. Lord help me. Help me. Let me call it what you call it. Let me not speak like Eve. And begin to dance around the clear instruction of God's word. Let me be a believer in you. Oh Lord help me I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ. Daniel eleven thirty two, And something there struck me. The second part talks about those who know their God. Say to yourself I will be in that group. Those who know their God who will be strong and carry out great exploits. You will be in that group in the name of Jesus. But to enter that group you need to exit the first group. The first group talks about a group of people. It says these are those who do what? Wickedly against the covenant. What does the enemy do to them? He corrupts them with what? Flattery. You're going to come against every spirit of flattery. Do you know that most preaching is flattery now? It says he will corrupt it what? With flattery. Flattery says it shall be well with you. You this, uh, you that, you that, you that. No, those who know their God know where he stands. Jesus said, the commander of the hosts of heaven, said to Joshua, I'm not on your side. I'm standing. You come to my side, you have victory. We're not in the business of flattery. He said he will corrupt with flattery. A lot of Christians are corrupt now. Because they've been flattered. It's not your portion. It will never come near you. But they're not living the life. They're not trusting God. They're not obeying God. They're not submitting to the word of God. What are you flattering the person for? I prophesy. Prophet Guinea. From who to who? Who, who authorized the message? If we had time, I'll show you some scriptures where, where you see these things playing out in the word of God. And we see that really there is nothing new under the sun. So I want you to pray. Even to, to the closest relationship you have. Lord, deliver me from love of flattery. Because it will help somebody. Help me, Lord. It says it, it will corrupt me. Lord, save me. Let no man be able to corrupt me by flattery. I want to love the truth. In, in the other side, Jesus says, you will know the truth. And then the truth will do what? Will set you free. That's where I want to be. Isn't that where you want to be? You want to walk in the liberty of the children of God. Not in the captivity of the flattered of sons of Satan. Lord, set me free from every form of flattery. Every message, every thought, every word that has come to me. That has put me into captivity by flattery. Lord, I receive deliverance. I want a love of the truth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then the second prayer we're going to pray is for the church and for our nation, Nigeria. Zechariah 8, please. Zechariah chapter 8. Yeah, we can read from verse 1 to 3. It says, Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I'm zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor, I'm zealous for her. Verse 3. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion. And dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called what? The city of truth. 
the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. I want you to pray for a restoration of this, that this will happen in our nation, that the church, the father's church, and indeed by extension, the church in Nigeria, that Jesus will return and be established. The spirit of Christ will be established. And once more, Zion will be established as the city of truth, not deception. Not motivational speaking. None of those things. Truth. Listen, people think truth discourages people. Nothing encourages like the truth. Because when you know the truth, you know the end. At the end, Jesus is victorious. And as long as he's your champion, he will come through for you. Jesus, we want you enthroned in your church. Come to the Father's church that we may be called the city of truth. The mountain of the Lord of hosts. The holy mountain. Lord, do it for us, O oh Lord, because we know that in truth we are secured, in truth we are prosperous, in truth we are holy, in truth we are healthy, in truth your power flows. Father, we receive, O oh Lord, we welcome you, we express our desire, Lord, that you come and reign amongst us in your power and in your majesty. Pour out your love and majesty. Come, O oh Lord, return to your house. Let there be a revival in your church by reason of truth and love of the truth. Thank you, O Lord our God. We give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Just raise your hands everywhere you are. Father, I want to thank you for your sons and daughters. Your word of truth they have heard. Spirit of the living God, there is that which only you can do. Fill these ones, O Lord. Fill them with a hunger for your truth. Support it with a supply of your grace. Let these ones walk in power. Your word says, those who know their God, they shall be strong and carry out great exploits. As these ones go forth, Lord, let insight go with them. Let wisdom go with them. Let discernment go with them. Let understanding go with them. And let them operate in power. Let them be witnesses of your kingdom in this nation. In this distressing times, make them uncommon, O Lord. In the name of Jesus. Daddy, because you are father, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters. Let not one of these ones be tempted beyond what they can bear. That is your promise, O oh Lord. Make that way of escape, O oh Lord. Is it financially? Is it emotionally? In any way and every way. Lord, make a way of escape and let your children see it. Let them walk in it and let them testify to the goodness of the Lord. Receive honor and glory and praise through these lives, O oh Lord. Now and forevermore, in Jesus' name we pray. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158804. You can find us online at www dot the fatherschurchonline dot org. God bless you.